Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The second best song by Phil Collins is Susudio. That has nothing to do with anything. I want to talk about his first best song, which is Take Me Home. It's one of those wonderful 80s rock anthems that when you see old films from concerts, the crowd has an ecstatic religious experience in those days, holding up lighters and swaying, Take Me Home, bald English man who plays the drums. There's so many songs about home, not just Phil. You can go to the world of 1980s heavy metal, a really hard rock, Guns N' Roses, Paradise City, um, Take Me Down to the Paradise City where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? That's how Axel puts it. It's a rather adolescent version of what paradise might be. Green grass, pretty girls. But it's a sentiment that I think Axel was tapping into something that's pretty universally felt among human beings, this desire to go to some place called home. And uh, again, we can move on. We can get into folk country with uh, John Denver. Take me home, country roads, to the place where I belong. West Virginia. Mountain mama. Okay, let's, that's enough. Okay. More recently, the band with an extremely long name, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, had a song called Home. You heard it on repeat if you listened to pop radio about five years ago. You've also got Talking Heads, Home is a place where I want to be. And then there's indie folk, Josh Ritter, not the one who's on our vestry, this is another guy, uh, has a song called Homecoming. I mean, I, and I, I could go on, but I won't. You get the picture. There seems to be this thing in music where people keep asking that they be taken home. They want to go home. And I think this is getting to something that many people feel, which is that you don't ask to go home if you're comfortable where you are. The place we're in seems to not really be what we're made for, this feeling of not fitting, this feeling of it not being all right. You see this in the first Harry Potter movie where the story opens. The young wizard is living in a little tiny storage space under the stairs with his adoptive parents and his adoptive sibling, and he just feels like, I am nothing like these people. I don't fit here. I don't belong here. I just want to get out to be with my kind. And that is something I think many, many people feel. This reality of, uh, why is my life so hard? How did I get here? I, I thought that when I left home and finally got out of that situation, everything would be great. And turns out, life's hard. Or I thought when I got married, that would solve all my problems. I get my soulmate, and then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll reenact Lady and the Tramp and eat spaghetti every night and on that last noodle, and we'll kiss, and it'll be great. Or, you know, when I, I'll, I'll get married and I'll have kids, and then those children will make me feel fulfilled, whatever the case may be. And yet, 
we reach all these milestones, we achieve these things, you graduate, you get the job, or whatever the case may be, and you still feel, man, it is not great, or it's okay, but it's not great, or why is this part of my life still so hard? I just want to go home. Now's the part where I talk about the Bible. So we turn to John's Gospel, this reading written by St. John about the life of Jesus. And John is writing down a prayer that Jesus prayed. Jesus was talking to God the Father, but in such a way that he wanted his disciples to overhear. Sort of like, have you ever been in a church service where a pastor prays, but really it's kind of a sermon? It's like sermon part two. Lord, we pray for all the backslidden people who have dragged themselves to church today after six months. You know, that kind of prayer. That was funny to me, maybe not to you. I didn't mean it as a criticism, I promise. I really didn't. But you know, a prayer that you pray and you're talking to God, but really you want everybody to hear. So Jesus is talking to God, but he wants other people to hear. He wants his disciples to hear what's going on. So I want to talk about what he says because Jesus is talking in a time when he's about to go home and he addresses this feeling that you and I have maybe that we are not home. I want to see what he says, and I want to talk a little bit about Bob Dylan. So this speech that he's making, Jesus is making in John chapter 17, it's the last night of his, you know, before he gets arrested, before the wheels come off, and he is going to be crucified, uh, and it's all going to fall apart. And so he's praying this really long prayer. We get one section, and God bless Al for reading it, Uh, And God bless you for listening to it. John is not always the most linear thinker, and sometimes it's hard to follow where he's going. But in this prayer, Jesus says something, uh, a couple things very, uh, I think, that connect. Um, The first thing that he prays, uh, talking to the Father, he says about his disciples, they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. That means there's nothing wrong with you for feeling like you don't fit. Jesus here says that we don't belong. It's normal to feel like it didn't work out. It's normal to feel like you're recalculating. That's what your GPS says when you make a wrong turn. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Many of us feel like that's sort of permanently where we are. And Jesus is saying that is normal. He says it in verse 14 and verse 16. They do not belong to the world. So you're not weird. Well, maybe you are. But everybody is weird is what I'm saying. We all don't fit. We pretend and work really hard to look like we do. But the little secret is everybody's faking it. Nobody fits. This is refreshingly honest and helpful, I think, just to know that you're not the only person who a miscommunication in your family has led to 10 years of bad blood. You are not the only person to feel like the decision you made was the wrong one and now you're living with it. You are not the only person who has an adult child who never calls. You're not the only person who feels that the world is a place of never-ending judgment. This is what everybody goes through on one level or another. So we all want to go home. 
We all want to go to a place where we can be free of these burdens. So we wish, I wish that the second point of my sermon was then Jesus saying, Lord, they don't belong to the world just like I don't belong to the world, so please let's just, when you um, uh, take me to heaven, take them with me. Let's all go up in that little pneumatic tube. You know that thing at the bank? This was my favorite thing as a kid, driving up. Remember when you could bank in person and you'd drive up in the moto teller and there'd be this little pneumatic tube and you'd put things in there and they'd get sucked up. And who knows where? We all want to be uh, vacuumed up to heaven, to home. We all want to get there. But Jesus says in verse 15, quite annoyingly, to his father, I am not asking you to take them out of the world. In fact, he says, I'm sending them into the world like you sent me. So we don't get to go home, at least not quite yet. But he does give us something really wonderful for us. We who stay in this world, not quite home, but feeling like we want to be home. He says in verse 17, Jesus, the Son of God, prays to God the Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Feel better? What does that mean, Jesus? Sanctify them in truth. Okay, I got to run it through my Bible decoding, translating grid. What does all these religious wordage mean? Okay, sanctify, sanctify, sanctified, sanctimonious, of holy. Ned Flanders, Goody Two-Shoes, Church Lady, Be Holy, Church on Wednesday and on Sunday, only listen to the good Christian music, uh, you know, um, just be nice all the time, uh, must have Scripture verses in every major room in your house. Uh, this sermon has been brought to you by Hobby Lobby. Right? That's what it means to be sanctified. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Okay, word is truth. What's the word, 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 Bible. Okay, so I need to be sanctified as I'm in the world. I need to be sanctified, and that, that happens through the word. Okay, so I must read the Bible. The more I read the Bible, the more sanctified I'll be. That's what I need to do. Read the Bible and uh, memorize it, and then I'll be sanctified. Or something like that. Right? That will fix the problems. Not exactly. A lot of people know the Bible really well. It has not fixed all their problems. Also, we have this little inconvenient reality that when Jesus said, your word is truth, the Bible did not exist. I mean, not in the current form. The New Testament had not been written. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures existed, but they were all written on really long scrolls that only very rich people had, or maybe in the synagogue. They might have some, and if you were very special, you could take them out occasionally and read them. But nobody had the NIV Teen Study Bible, the Good News Bible, Women's Bible Edition. No one had the Men Who Wear Camo Bible. Like, there's all these different Bibles we have now. They did not exist. So when he says your word is truth, he had to mean something different. Well, fortunately, this is John's gospel. And right at the beginning of this book about Jesus' life, St. John, who wrote this down, told us what the Word of God is. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Skipping down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the Bible, and I read it and know it, and I encourage you to do the same, but the Bible is the Word of God that points to the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus here says, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth, what he's saying is come back again to the word that Jesus speaks, the word who is Christ. The word from God in Christ is that you are beloved. I mean, John says that if you keep reading in John chapter 1, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. The word that Jesus Christ comes to give to you and to everybody is beloved. It is grace. It is forgiven. It is pardoned. To be sanctified means to belong to God. So for us who are in this world, which is not our home, and boy do we feel it, to be sanctified means that while we are here, we belong to God. He holds us. And we are sanctified, held by God, because we know the Word, Jesus Christ, who says you are beloved and forgiven and embraced. The world is a place of judgment. All the time. We invent colleges, and then we invent U.S. News World and Report ranking. We invent restaurants, and then we invent Yelp to rank them. And before that, Zagat. We invent music, and then we say, we've got to have a Billboard Top 100. We invent school, and we say, but we must have grades and a class ranking. The world is full of judgment. Even a compliment, you're special. Well, that implies judgment, because somebody else ain't. There's some standard by which I've evaluated you to say that you are special. The world is a place of judgment. The word from God is that God is out of the judgment business. The Word in Christ is love. Bob Dylan, a.k.a. Hibbling, Minnesota's most famous native son, Robert Zimmerman, no relation, but I'd like to think there is, Bob Dylan was interviewed once, and you can see this in the Martin Scorsese film about, about Bobby D. Talking about his childhood and his life, he said, I was born a very long way from home, from where I'm supposed to be, so I'm on my way home. I was born a very long way from where I am supposed to be, so I'm on my way home. Jesus here reminds us that this is not our home, that our home is with him, the Word. The good news is the Word is here. Wherever Christ is, the one who loves you, that is home, and that is here and now. Wherever you may be, that's what this meal reminds us of, that's what we're about to tell this child in baptism. And that's what I want to remind you.
that wherever Christ is, you are home forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, remind us that we are loved and that that means home in Christ. Amen.